Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. Good morning. What a joy it is for us to gather together and worship today at Roswell Presbyterian Church. I want to apologize for my voice. This past week, I had strep throat. And while I'm feeling much better, my voice is still recovering, so I appreciate you bearing with me. I want to make sure and tell you before we get started that we have opened up our registration for our community groups, small groups, and other Bible studies. So if you want to go online and um, register there for any of our groups or Bible studies, we would love to be able to study together um, this season. So go ahead and check that out. This morning we're continuing our sermon series called How Shall We Live, where we're looking at the Ten Commandments. This morning we're going to look at the Third Commandment. We're going to read from the book of Exodus, chapter 20. We'll read the first two verses and then skip down to verse 7 to look at that commandment. But before we do that, let's go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for this opportunity for us to come together Lord, that even when we're spread all over the place, that we can still be together at your feet to worship you and to go to your word. God, we pray that you would illumine this word for us now, that the words that are read are your words, the words that are spoken are your words, and the words that are heard are your words. And may this encounter with you be so powerful that we cannot walk away unchanged. In your holy name we pray, amen. So I'd invite you then to join me in Exodus 20. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then to verse 7, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was little, I would play all of these imaginary life games. I might play house, or I might play school, or or some other thing that I would get together with my friends and we would act out these imaginary life scenarios. Now, when you do that, the very first thing that you have to do is choose your name. And I chose the same name every time. It was the ultimate cool name. It was fun and sophisticated. It was was equal parts grown-up, but also whimsical. It was the perfect name to encapsulate everything I wanted to be in life. My name was Stacy. I mean, Stacy is such a great name, right? It just makes you want to wear dangly earrings and high heels. If you are watching this right now and your name is Stacy, congratulations. Your parents perfected the art of naming you. Certainly, I will admit, when I was younger, Lindsay didn't exactly have the pizzazz that I was looking for. But as I have gotten older, I have to tell you, I've grown quite fond of my name. You see, I'm named after my dad, His name is John Lindsay Lee. 
So the reality is that my fake name told nothing but fantasies, but my real name, Lindsay, my real name tells me who I am. It tells you who I am. It tells me that I'm my father's daughter. It reminds me that I belong to a family who loves me. It gives me identity. It tells my story. My name is important. But you already know how powerful names are. You already know because that's why Chandler Bing didn't want anyone to know his middle name. That's why Destiny's child begged for the one she loved to say her name and affirm their love. That's why it was forbidden for the people in Harry Potter's school to say the evil name of he who shall not be named. In a more serious, real-life example, it's why people are calling for our culture to say the name of people like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor it's a way of acknowledging that these people who have died, that they are real and that their lives mattered. Because having a name, saying a name, calling someone by their name, it's significant. It invokes power and intimacy in your relationship. It acknowledges that someone is real. So here, God wants to be very clear that there is no name more important than God's name. God opens up this passage. God's going to give us these 10 things that we need to know, this conversation with Moses that we need to know about. And God opens it up by declaring, I am the Lord your God. God gives us God's name before we even get to know anything else that God wants us to know. And it's important to know God's name. It's God's name is important. And to really understand how important it is, we need to go back to Exodus chapter 3. Now you might remember that in the ancient world, they would have acknowledged all sorts of gods. They had a whole long list of lowercase g gods. The question wouldn't have been if you worshipped a god. The question would have been which god do you worship? So in Exodus chapter 3, God comes and he sets this bush on fire and the bush doesn't burn up. And so God tells Moses, this is a sign that I am God, that I am capital G God, that I am the one who is able to rescue the Israelites from their bondage. And God directs Moses to go to tell the people about this God who has done such a great thing. And Moses says, okay, okay, I will go and I will tell the people that you sent me and, I, and I'll tell them about how powerful you are and I will tell them that you will rescue them, but tell me this. When I tell them that God sent me and they ask me for that God's name, what do I tell them? Moses said, which God are you? Tell me your name. And God's answer changes the game. God says that my name is Yahweh. Yahweh is the Hebrew word for the verb to be. So God says my name is I am. 
And when God declares Yahweh, when God declares that I am is God's name, God is declaring that I am the God. That none of those other gods, none of those other lowercase g gods even exist. They don't get to be at all. Yahweh is the I am. It is the most powerful declaration of a name in all of history. And so now here we are in chapter 20 and God is reminding Moses of God's very name. God opens this passage by saying, don't forget who I am. I am Yahweh, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God's name declares God's power. It tells the story of who God is. It acknowledges the power and intimacy in God's relationship with us. And it reminds us that God desires that we would be a people who are free. A people who do not live in bondage to those smaller, lowercase g gods. God then begins to share the commandments. And today we are looking at the third commandment. It says, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Certainly for generations we have looked at this commandment and we have understood it as a call not to curse and not to say things like, oh my God, when we are exasperated in Atlanta traffic. And yes, this commandment very much calls us to pay attention to our language. That we can't ignore the power that's in God's very name. We can't be flippant about tossing God's name around. As faithful disciples, we must remember that power that God's name holds. The prophets knew how powerful God's name was. That's how they communicated, that they were about to speak words of truth from God. You see, when you're reading through Isaiah or Jeremiah or Hosea or Zechariah or any of the prophetic books, you'll see that when the prophet speaks, the prophet will say, thus says the Lord. We call that the prophetic formula. It's how you know the prophet's about to say something from God and not just something of their own selves. It's how they would, it was an invocation of power and authority from God. So when we use God's name as a descriptive word to invoke power on that corner we just stubbed our toe on, or worse yet, when we invoke the Lord's name because we're attempting to rain down something bad on someone who has irritated us, when we do those things, we are emptying God's name of God's power and attempting to fill it with our own authority. So yes, this commandment certainly warns us not to use God's name flippantly. However, if we read this commandment simply as a declaration not to say OMG, then we are missing what God is really trying to say to us here. 
Jeff reminded us last week that all the commandments are to be read in light of the opening words that God speaks, that first verse where God says, I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. If all the commandments are understood in light of this, then we have to acknowledge first and foremost that God is the great liberator. And what that means for this commandment is that anytime we do or say things that bind or hurt people in the name of the Lord, we are taking the Lord's name in vain. And we cannot deny that there has been plenty of hurting people in the name of the Lord throughout the history of Christianity. You can look through world history. You can look through the things that have happened in the church. When we look through, we see there are so many times that the name of the Lord has been used to manipulate and justify binding people, stifling people, even oppressing or killing people. Unfortunately, some of you who are worshiping with us today know all too well how hurtful the church can be in the name of the Lord if that is the case for you, please hear me say, I am so sorry. Please hear me confess that, that we, that the, the church, we have not always kept the third commandment faithfully. And scripture is clear that this is not who we're called to be as people who follow the great I am. The God who works to set people free from that which holds them captive. And so when the church is holding people captive, we are breaking the third commandment. You see, communities in general, but certainly, maybe even especially communities of faith, they have certain convictions. We feel strongly and deeply about those convictions, but the thing is, we begin to realize as we get to know the people in the community and we start to see each other on social media, we begin to realize that not all the convictions are the same as the other people in the community. Maybe as we get to know the other convictions, we might even begin to feel like our convictions oppose one another. And our instincts tell us in those instances that we need to double down, that we need to declare harder and more emphatically what our convictions are. After all, we have these convictions because we're Christian and we read the Bible and the Bible agrees with us. And so we press harder because we're right and the world needs to know we're right and hear us tell the truth because if we just tell everyone the truth, then we can set the people free. But see, that's when we go back to this third commandment and we remember it is God who sets the people free. It is God who works on behalf of God's people. It is God who is already about the work of setting people free. We are not the Messiah. Should we have convictions? Yes. Should we feel deeply about those convictions? Yes. Should we work on behalf of those convictions? Absolutely. But there is a line between being zealous and being a bully. 
And we need to hold closely those words from Micah 6, 8, that certainly, certainly we are to be about the work of doing justice, to do the work that God calls us to do. But the rest of that verse reminds us that we must love kindness and walk humbly. And when we do not move forward with kindness and humility, when we lean in to be the Messiah that we think the world needs, we have attempted to empty the name of God and we break the third commandment. One other interesting thing about this commandment, when you look at the Hebrew, it says, my version, the NRSV, says you shall not make wrongful use. Maybe your translation says you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. But that Hebrew word for make or take, that Hebrew word is actually nasa. Now we understand that word often as to speak, that we shouldn't speak the Lord's name in vain. But the actual translation of nasa is to bear or to carry. Therefore, that commandment is telling us that we should not wrongfully bear the name of God in anything we do. Certainly not in our words, but this commandment calls us not to wrongfully bear the name of God in our actions. And for us as Christians, in this new covenant, we, we do indeed bear this name because we have been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And friends, in our baptisms, we take on the name of that triune God. We bear the name out into the world and that name tells us who we are. That name tells the world who we are. It reminds us that we are children of Yahweh, that we belong to a family that loves us. It gives us identity. It tells our story. The movie, 12 Years a Slave, is based on a book by the same name. It tells the story of a black, name, black man named Solomon Northrup who was tricked, drugged, kidnapped, and sold into slavery. His new masters, in addition to beating him relentlessly, renamed him. They now called him Platt. It was a way of demonstrating their own perceived power over him. They took away his name. It was a way of declaring him a nobody, taking away any importance or significant he, significance he might have had. It was a way of saying he wasn't real, that his story was irrelevant. Well, over a decade later, Solomon meets an abolitionist who helps him get in touch with his family in the north. And one day while he's working in the fields, he sees these two men walking up. Solomon recognizes them. He realizes that they've come to get him. They've come to rescue him. And as they walk up in the movie, the first thing he says is, my name is Solomon Northrup. He claims his name. He declares who he is 
He calls out his story. He tells those men who have held him captive, you may have tried to take away my identity, but I still know my name. Though you may have tried to hold me as a slave, you cannot take power away from me. When Solomon declares his name, he declares he is a man who was designed to be free. Friends, I pray that when we look at this third commandment, that we would hear both the conviction, but also the assurance that this commandment holds for us. Surely there is indeed a warning here. When our words and actions bind others and deny them of their own name, their own place in the family of God, then we are attempting to empty the name of God, doing our best to make God's name worthless. But certainly we will not prevail when we seek to work against God. But the good news is this. The name of God, Yahweh, is the greatest and most powerful name Through Jesus Christ, we have been baptized so that we too would bear that name. Therefore, when we declare the great and mighty name of God, we are declaring that we cannot be bound. Not bound by those lowercase g-gods that threaten to destroy us. But no, we have a God who gives us an identity of love and freedom. Indeed, God is I am, and that is good news. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that you are the great I am, that you are the great liberator. So Lord, we pray that both you would work to free us from those things that we feel hold as captive, but also, Lord, you would convict us in the places where we attempt to use your name to bind others. God, be with us, walk with us, that we would faithfully attend to your name. In your holy name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.